Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope you got a good weekend. It was pretty good around here. You, most of you guys know this, but um, some of you may not. I'm actually uh, finishing up a book of poetry, and so I've worked on some of that stuff. And uh, a lot of it's very personal and very, um, you know, it's one of those deals, too, where you're always a little bit hesitant you know, to kind of peel the onion back a little bit and kind of reveal what's behind it. And so this is kind of me in many respects, even in in some cryptic phrasing, uh, kind of being naked before the world. And so, um, yeah, don't laugh. Uh, But it's been very rewarding, but also, too, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it takes an emotional journey. I mean, it really does. It's, you know, sometimes it's it's good to get in there and uh, clean out, you know, the corners in the closet of your heart and your mind. And so, I've worked on that and uh, spent some time doing that and and enjoyed yesterday's NFL football. Would have loved to have seen the Packers win because, uh, you know, we'd had a handful of Bulldogs in the Super Bowl and kind of guaranteed that we would have another Super Bowl winner. And uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers nearly pulled off yesterday and they get behind, you know, I guess 21 to 10 there right before the half. I think that's right. Uh, But but either way, I mean, listen, let's be honest here, okay? And as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, this is difficult for me to say, but, uh, you know, how could anybody suggest that Tom Brady is not the best quarterback of all time? He is. You take him out of New England, you put him in a different conference with a rebuilding team in Tampa Bay, and they're in the Super Bowl. It's ridiculous to think about that. And I was so happy to see him out of the AFC. I was like, you know what? That's somebody else's problem now. And the Patriots will probably come back to the pack. They have. But Tom Brady continues to play at an extremely high level. And uh, it is very impressive. And I'm very grateful that we're all alive to see this. You know what I'm saying? Because like, there's sometimes in life you look back and say, you know what, man? I wish I could have seen that guy play live. But it is also important to recognize the greatness in the moment. And that's what we're seeing right now with Tom Brady. Drew Brees, great quarterback, but Brady beat him. Aaron Rodgers, great quarterback, but Brady beat him. Both of those guys have one Super Bowl, and uh, Tom, Tom Brady's probably running out of room to put his Super Bowl memorabilia. And I think he's become more likable. I know he's always kind of had that, um, you know, that all-American charm or whatever, but uh, maybe because I don't have to deal with him, uh, you know, winning – the number one seed in the AFC every single year and forcing us to go to New England for a, a playoff game. Maybe it, maybe it's you know maybe it's easier for me to kind of pump the brakes on that. But uh, you know I'm I'm kind of pulling for Tom Brady you know to, to hang in here and play a little bit longer. But uh, come Super Bowl Sunday, I'm going to be pulling for the Kansas City Chiefs. We got three Bulldogs over there, as you guys know. Chris Jones, who was ridiculous yesterday, man, I'm so happy for that guy. They franchise tag him. And he has made the most of that and proven that he is worthy of a long-term deal. And my hope is he gets it. Uh, And he's going to get a long-term deal from somebody. I hope it's the Chiefs. I think he really wants to stay there. And they're on an incredible run right now. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, it's difficult to bet against Brady. But uh, Patrick Mahomes will have some time to heal. And uh, those guys should be good to go. But, you know, Chris and uh, Martinez Rankin. You know, and I had a discussion about Martinez just last night with a good friend of mine. You know, think about this for a second. You know, we always talk about how important it is to, uh, to mine the junior college system in Mississippi for prospects. 
And there were a couple times that we went out and signed offensive linemen and redshirted them. And much to the chagrin of our fan base. Everybody's like, oh, these guys must be terrible. You know, why would we go sign these junior college guys and then redshirt them? And it turned out to be the best thing in the world for all of them. Martinez Rankin was one, and uh, John Hevesy told him in the spring when he first got here, you, you may remember Martinez Rankin was the number one junior college offensive lineman in the country. Martinez, out of Mendenhall High School, came to my Tupelo Combine one year, and he was 6'1", and then he grew like four inches over the next couple of years. And so Martinez comes in, and John Hevesy tells him in the spring, listen, if you're not starting, you're redshirting. So you work hard this spring, and you earn a starting spot, and you're going to start, or you're going to redshirt. We're not going to waste a year of your eligibility, you know, as a two-deep guy, just kind of getting snaps in, in mop-up time. And so John Havasey did him a real service in his life. Martinez Rankin, of course, uh, banged up a little bit as a senior, but uh, graded out as one of the best offensive linemen in the country, gets drafted, and uh, has now – on a team, and I uh, got a chance to win a second Super Bowl ring. And, of course, Willie Gay. Willie Gay's in the Super Bowl, folks. I mean, how crazy is that to think about? You know, it's like you know, when these guys get a little far removed from us, we think, oh, you know, I, I remember that guy was a good player. Willie was just here last year. You know, I saw Willie in Walmart multiple times this year before he went to OTAs, and, uh, you know, he looked like a million dollars. You know, he really committed himself to the weight room, and not that he wasn't a, an impressive specimen when he was here. He was. I don't know that we got our full value out of Willie Gay because, you know, he missed some time, you know, due to the Tudor Gate scandal and everything. But, uh, you know, he decides to go ahead and cut the dreads, which I'm not in favor of. But, uh, you know, gets drafted in the second round and has made the most of his opportunities, and hopefully he'll be healthy enough to play in the Super Bowl. But how cool is it that uh, one of our Starville High School guys gets a chance to play in the Super Bowl his very first year? And Willie Gay is that new generation of linebacker, not just in college, but in the National Football League, guys that can really run, guys that can get out and cover in space. You know, the days of the old, uh, you know, boxy, beefy, inside backer, those days are kind of done. you got to be athletic. You can't be a tackle-to-tackle guy anymore. you got to be a sideline-to-sideline guy. And that's what Willie Gay is. Granted, he plays outside, but he is a relentless pursuer of the football and we always knew he'd make a good pro. I think most of us felt like last year when he came out, and the circumstances around all that were so bad. You know what I'm saying? It's, you, know, you had the fight with, with Garrett Schrader, and a lot of our fans kind of turned on Willie. And that was unfortunate because, uh, you know, it, it wasn't – Willie got the lion's share of the blame in that deal, but that wasn't fair. That's not to say Willie didn't act inappropriately, but Garrett Schrader was ultimately – as responsible, if not more responsible, for that little dust-up because it was it was over. And then after practice is over, Garrett kind of re-engages, and next thing you know, a fight breaks out, and uh, Garrett gets the worst of it. But, uh, you know, Garrett traded some licks too. And a lot of our folks like, oh, we've got to run Willie Gay off. And, and uh, the social media commentary about all that was really awful. It was an unfortunate situation. But, again, Willie Gay took a share of the blame, probably more so than he should have, and a lot of our people were ready to run him out of town. And uh, if you know Willie, if you had any interaction with him personally, you'd understand, you know, that that's, that's not how he would want his legacy to end at Mississippi State. That's not the, that's not the impression. That's not the, the lasting memory he would want you to have. He'd want you to have that pick six against Kentucky or things of that nature or the you know, great game on the road at Alabama. 
But Willie Gay is a dude, man. He is. That guy's an absolute dude. And and uh, so, he, you know, he declares for the draft. And uh, a lot of people said, oh, you know, he's making a huge mistake. And I really felt like if he had come back and played a full year, he'd probably be a first-rounder. But I think that, uh, you know, with his ability and his approach to the game of football, he'll make that money up. I mean, that's one of the things you look at and say, well, you know, you, know, you never make that money back. Well, I think you do when you get that second contract. And uh, Willie certainly has played well enough at this point to uh, to suggest that he has a couple of good years ahead of him before he uh, you know, he locks in a big deal. And so I, I wish the best for all those guys. I'm really pulling for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's weird to say that because, you know, most of my lifetime, you know, KC has just kind of been an also-ran in the AFC. Uh, Joe Montana had a couple good years there, I guess. But, uh, you know, by and large, Kansas City has not been a contender. And now it's all kind of come together with Andy Reid, one of the nice guys in, in football. And then, of course, Bruce Arians, you know, on the Tampa Bay side of things, guy was an offensive coordinator here a couple times. He was an assistant coach at Mississippi State twice. So uh, we have a guy that uh, understands what we do here. It was a big part of things, and so we wish everybody the best, but I'll be pulling for the Chiefs. I suspect you guys will be as well. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, you know, maybe you're not going to you know, have a Super Bowl party. Maybe you're not comfortable with that. Go to Bulldog Burger. Bulldog Burger is going to have it on every TV. You can have a cold beer. You can have a great meal. You can have a hamburger. You can have a family night. You know, it doesn't get too crazy in there. But uh, if you want to go experience some uh, you know, spirited libations, you can do that right there at Bulldog Burger Company. It's a full-service restaurant. You can even get dessert there. I encourage you to begin the experience with the spring rolls. You know what I'm saying. I mean, it is the best appetizer in Starkville proper, bar none. I encourage you to go check that out. It'll get you going. And if you want to, you could even you know, order one just for yourself. Order a whole order and make it an entree. Maybe add some fries. That's what Mike Nemeth always does every time we go. Bulldog Burger Company, part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. Go check them out. Two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Start Vegas or on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Our top story is the addition of Jalen Green. Talked about him a little bit on Friday. And as we spoke Friday, Jalen Green was already in his automobile headed to Starkville, Mississippi, to, uh, to get everything set up to begin classes today. He has been admitted by the university and began classes today. And so let's talk a little bit about who Jalen Green is. Jalen Green, a former number one player in the state of Texas, one of the highest rated players to ever attend Mississippi State. Now, granted, we've only been ranking players, I guess, for 20 years or so. But he has a 98 ranking by 247 Sports out of Heights High School in Houston, Texas. His composite rating, 97.6. We've only had a handful of players that have had a better rating than that. I've kind of run those names down for you, too, just just so you know. Okay, just, just so you know the caliber of player he was as a prospect. When you're looking at the Mississippi State list here, Delwan Robinson, the highest-rated player to ever play at Mississippi State. You know, of course, you know, this is the uh, modern era. Of course, there's some guys back there years ago that would have probably, uh, you know, carried a pretty big ranking. But Delwan Robinson was a 99, 99.34. Chris Jones, 99.1. Jarius Norwood, 99.0. Dapu Williams, God rest his soul, 98.9. Charles Cross, 98.7. Jeff Simmons, 98.76. Derek Pegues, 
98.5, and Marvin Birdsong, uh, 98.2. So you see, this is a guy that is uh, you know, ranked in the top 10 all time as far as prospects. And so a lot of people would look at that and say, well, you know, how does that affect the rankings? Well, transfers don't really impact the rankings as much as they should. That's something everybody's still figuring out, right? How do you weigh that? This guy's got multiple years' experience. He was a great prospect, but he hadn't shown his potential. You know, Kareem Walker was a four-star out of high school, too, and uh, did absolutely nothing on the major college level. And so it, it's, it's a crapshoot. It really is. we got to get that figured out, though. Uh, but Jalen Green, to kind of run it down for you, he was a U.S. Army All-American. He was, again, rated the number one player in the state of Texas. He was the number three cornerback in America and the number 17th player nationally regardless of position. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good deal right there for sure. So to kind of, you know, cap what he was as a high school prospect, let me just run down some of these offers here. And in the end, Texas beat out LSU uh, in the end. A lot of people didn't have a good idea of what was going to happen. But he has over 40 scholarship offers out of high school. I'm going to run down some of these for you just so you kind of know the kind of guy we're dealing with. Of course, Texas, uh, Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Bowling Green, Clemson, Colorado, Florida, Fresno State, Georgia, Houston, Illinois, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, LSU, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Texas, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Oregon, Oregon State, Penn State, SMU, TCU, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, Tulsa, USC, and Virginia Tech, among many others. So this is a guy that is obviously very decorated out of high school. And Texas gets him because, number one, he's a Texas guy. But number two, Jason Washington, current Mississippi State safeties coach, was at the University of Texas and was his lead recruiter. And so once Green went into the portal – And you know it had to be a whirlwind romance, right? He goes into the portal, and Jason Washington, of course, already has a relationship with Green and his mother. And so Mississippi State is able to move very quickly and establish and reestablish a relationship with him because of the fact Jason Washington is here. If Jason Washington is is not at Mississippi State, chances are Jalen Green is somewhere else. Also, Mississippi State... Needs help in the secondary, as you guys are aware. We knew we'd be going into the portal. There's a lot of discussion about what we would do and who we would take. Let me give you a little primer on some of that, too. Because I know some of the times you read stuff on social media and it's just kind of half the story, right? So we backed off of Jadarius Perkins. When Jadarius Perkins did not sign with Mississippi State on Christmas Day, as he had promised to do, and, and for those of you that are unaware, Privately, Perkins had let Mississippi State know that's what he was going to do. I'm going to go be a Bulldog. I'm ready to go. I see an opportunity to play there. And then the next conversation he would have with some of his coaches there at Mississippi Gulf Coast is, well, they've already got two starting corners. Where am I going to play? You know, and then, you know, it was kind of related to him as well. If you're the number one junior college corner in America, why are you worried about a sophomore and a freshman? You can't beat those guys out. You can't earn a starting spot. And listen, we want to play a lot of people. Even though Martin Emerson led the Mississippi State defense a number of snaps this year with nearly 800, the only Bulldog that played more snaps this year than Martin Emerson was Darian Parker, offensive guard Darian Parker. Got a lot of longevity with him, a guy that's been with us a long time, and now he'll, he'll try his hopes with pro football. And so – 
Yeah, I guess you could characterize that as, as a miss, but here's the thing. Perkins still hadn't signed with anybody. There is some discussion that if he doesn't get what he wants here in the final weeks, that he may go back uh, to, to Gulf Coast for another year. But Mississippi State makes a decision due to his indecision that we're going to go in a different direction. Then, of course, Eddie Smith hits the portal. Mississippi State, long-time relationship with him. In the end, Mississippi State did not offer him a scholarship. Eddie Smith also, too, because of the fact that he is an SEC guy, would have had to sit this year. And so I understand why out-of-conference destinations might have been a little more attractive to him. So he ends up at Illinois. And, of course, some people take those instances and say, oh, well, we've missed here and the staff's doing a poor job. And so here's what happens is you, you, you pull off on Perkins, you don't offer Smith, and you get Jalen Green, a former five-star, a former high school All-American. And so it's a guy that's had a lot of potential. And you can say, well, you know what, Steve, that's all well and good. But what's he been like as a college player? Well, I'm glad you asked. And so let's run this down here, what he's done at the University of Texas. And so he will have two years to play, two once he gets to Mississippi State. Uh, he played as a true freshman in 11 games for Texas, mainly on special teams, but he did, he did play as a true freshman. And, of course, that's with you know, the redshirt rule. You know, they, they could have just played him four years, four games, and maintained that extra year of eligibility. Uh, they did not. He even played in the Big 12 championship game and in the Texas went over Georgia in the All-State Sugar Bowl. So as a freshman, he saw extensive action. Uh, his true sophomore year, he was the starter. He was the starter at cornerback, uh, played in 10 games, started seven. He missed Big 12 games against West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Kansas and was slowed in some others, had 30 tackles, five pass breakups, two TFLs, uh, made five tackles and broke up two passes in his first career start against Louisiana Tech. So then they run off Todd Orlando and they bring in Chris Ash. as a change in scheme there, and he doesn't start. Started a little bit, but he played in nine games this year and made one start, got that start against Oklahoma, had 14 tackles on the year, one tackle for loss, two pass breakups, and an interception. I believe that was in the big win over Oklahoma State. Recorded three tackles and a home win over Baylor. And so here's a guy that has two years, two and a half years really, of major college experience. And that's one of the things a lot of our fans get very reluctant when it comes to the transfer portal. I can understand some of that. I've witnessed the same things you guys have. So the very first year it happens, we'll go get Tommy Stevens, who is a career backup at Penn State. Now, he's playing in the NFL now, but this is a guy that did not have a lot of starting experience, and it showed, right? We go out and get Alan Love, and then he spends all 2019 kind of pushing the cart around with his leg on it. He gets injured shortly after he gets here. Uh, played in one game last year. You know, and then, you know, we just, we just have not gotten a lot of value out of the portal. Last year was a little bit different, much different. You'll get K.J. Costello, a guy that had thrown for 6,200 yards in the Power Five. You'll get Brandon Ruiz. You know, we go back and we look at Isaiah Zuber a couple years ago, too. Underutilized guy also has played in the NFL this year. And so this year is different, and I'll tell you why. You've got three transfers coming in. Randy Charlton from Central Florida. Makai Polk from Cal, and now Jalen Green from Texas. All three of those guys starting experience in the Southeastern Conference. Many of the guys that we have gotten, with the exception of maybe Brandon Weese and K.J. Costello, have been players that uh, have not been able to win a job at their other school. 
And so they leave looking to reboot the career and find another opportunity. And sometimes you get buried on a depth chart behind a guy that's a little more talented than you. And so we had these guys come in, and we hadn't had a lot of benefit from the portal. And so some of our fans get a little bit jaded and say, well, you know, I just don't know about taking guys from the portal. Well, we have taken it, and uh, since it opened up in 18, you know, 19 is the first class that we do it. And so it's important to kind of understand that uh, Jalen Green has nothing to do with Tommy Stevens. He's got nothing to do with Alan Love. And let me run down these transfers for you because I think it's important that we look at these and kind of look at things in its entirety. So the first year the portal opened, so for the class of 2019, we take Alan Love, who has played in one game, Cole Smith, who was your starter at, at center, Isaiah Zuber, and Tommy Stevens. Now, Zuber, you could argue, was underutilized. But, uh, you know, Cole Smith, we've gotten some value out of him. Does he need to get stronger? Absolutely does. But this is a guy that's played a lot of snaps for Mississippi State. So when you look at that group, you say, okay, well, we signed four guys. We got a couple of starters from it, even though Tommy Stevens didn't work out as expected. You go to last year, the class of 2020, you get Brandon Ruiz, who was an absolute weapon, probably the most productive transfer we've had in, in who knows when. You get Tyrell Shavers, a grad transfer, and then he didn't even finish the season with us. And you know KJ's situation, and you get Scott Lashley. Well, Scott Lashley gets injured in fall camp last year, so I don't know if it's fair to judge him yet. But, again, you run down the numbers here. Lashley, not a starter at Alabama. KJ, a starter at Stanford. There was some debate about would he start if he returned there. Tyrell Shavers, not a starter at Alabama. And then, of course, Brandon Ruiz, who was a starter at Arizona State, and then kind of got – then lost his job. Uh, but came back and has done a good job for us. And so of those eight guys, you look at them and say, a lot of these guys were guys that were down the depth chart, by and large. And then you look at the three we have this year, it's a much different dynamic. And so I'm not going to sit here and tell you these guys are going to be bona fide stars for us, but I will tell you the probability of that happening is much greater, much greater. Because these are guys that have started ball games. These are guys that are regular starters. Randy Charlton was expected to be the best pass rusher on the Central Florida team this year. Now, I understand, too, when Mississippi State did their due diligence about Charlton, they found out, you know what, this is a great kid. You know, people read that article and say, well, he was cursing the police, and so we don't want that. It boiled down, and they had a teammate being arrested, and they didn't understand the situation. And uh, everybody that I have talked to said, it's inconsistent with his character. It's not like he threw rocks at police. It's not like that he uh, got into an altercation with police or fought police. It was an exchange of words. Uh, he made a bad mistake, but everybody tells me that he is a, a kid of great character and he'll come in here and do a good job for us. Excited about him as a player. When you look at the fact that Kobe Jones, Marquis Spencer are moving on, we didn't have a lot of appreciable depth behind them. It makes sense to go get a plug-and-play guy. So Randy Charlton's a guy we certainly expect to be in the rotation of defensive end and possibly start. He has done it before. You look at Makai Polk. This is a guy, too, played as a true freshman. Started some games this year. They only played a handful of games out there at Cal. But, again, this is a guy that earned a job in the Power Five. This is a guy they were expected to take a big jump this next year. And then he's on the move, and now he's at Mississippi State. And so you get Jalen Green. This is a guy, too, what, eight Power Five starts under his belt? So gets played in the Big 12, and that's kind of a score them league, you know, so they don't play a lot of good defense there. But uh, this is a guy with a tremendous amount of potential. And so the first question everybody says is, well, so how is he in school already? Well, the, the drop, the, the add day, the final day to add a course was the 19th. 
And so there is always a little wiggle room with the registrar, not just for student athletes, but for just about anybody. If there is a legitimate reason that has delayed a student's enrollment, exceptions can be made. That is the situation here. And so because all three of these transfers are in class now at Mississippi State, the expectation is they will be immediately eligible this year. Because of the fact the NCAA tabled the measure to vote on the rule for the one-time transfer. You know, back in October, there were a lot of people that, that don't understand the process that work in the national media. Uh, the Division One, the council for D1 passed a resolution that there should be a one-time transfer rule for football, baseball, and basketball. Well, it still requires the vote of the membership, and so that has not taken place yet. And so that is all kind of tied in with this name, image, and likeness legislation, and we've talked about that extensively on the show because of the fact those could be used at, as a recruiting tool, right? Let's say you've got a young man that uh, has had a big career. I, I don't know. You know, let's just say, you know, somewhere in Conference USA. Let's, let's say, you know, he's you know, out there at Texas San Antonio or something. Well, then all of a sudden – he gets a chance to go to the University of Alabama and say, you know, listen, we can't offer you any money, but we can offer you this. Is we've got three different uh, people here in town that uh, are willing to, uh, you know, willing to allow you to be you know, part of their marketing campaign. So we have contracts in place for you uh, to come. Alabama, of course, a national program, so there's going to be more opportunities there. I'm not picking on Alabama. You understand my point, though. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, well, listen, if you come here, you know, people are going to be to buy your jersey and you'll be able to profit from that. And there's already, you know, about 150 people ready to buy your jersey. And so you can see the Pandora's box that that could open. And so they've got to get this name, image, and likeness situation resolved before they open up the one-time transfer or you're going to have widespread poaching. So to get back to my original point about these guys, because of the fact that they made their decisions with the expectation of the transfer rule passing in January, they're going to be grandfathered in. That's what I understand. It's not official yet, but I'm told it is, that is what's expected to happen. Now, guys that sign in February will be a different scenario altogether because they understand that this measure has been tabled. Now, I'm sure there are some discussions that have to be made about, hey, well, you know, Green entered the portal knowing that the rule had been you know, delayed, but uh, I don't know that you can really pick and choose. I think that it will be a across-the-board decision that anybody who transferred and enrolled for classes in the spring semester will be granted immediate eligibility. And so that means that Makai Polk, Randy Charlton, and Jalen Green are expected to be in maroon and white this fall when we take the field. That's huge for Mississippi State. It's three guys at positions of need that won't need the acclimation year. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times it happens with junior college players. These guys have already played football at a high level. They have already adjusted to the speed of the game. So we're excited about that, and we should be excited about that. And what a great job by your staff. Sometimes that gets lost. And I remember, listen, I was part of that too, December 18th. You know, we lose MJ Daniels, and then we ultimately don't sign Perkins. And, you know, we have, you know, there's some rub there. And you think, okay, well, these guys can't close. And you know what? That was a fair criticism. It absolutely was a fair criticism. The good thing is, is we got a bit of a mulligan. We still had the February signing date to work with. And in between all that happening – they get Makai Polk, and they get Jalen Green. And so now I think we've got to revisit our, our indictments about all that. You know, if it had been a be-all, end-all signing day like we used to have, because, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a proponent of the early signing period, but I'm beginning to warm up to it. Because had we had this happen to us on National Signing Day, 
the traditional February signing day. We would not have had any room to work with. There would have been no players available in the talent pool with which to work with and fill those gaps. We would not have been able to replace those guys with comparable players. When you go back and look and see what's happened, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. Well, you lose Mikael and Pounders to a PR shell game kind of orchestrated by some old Miss folks, right? Well, you replace him with Cannon Boone, who was initially thought to be the top or one of the top offensive line prospects on your board. So you lose Pounders, who was a very raw developmental guy, and I think he'll do a really good job there in the AAC for Memphis. But Cannon Boone's a better prospect, right? I think it's fair. You, quote, lose Brandon Buckhalter. And remember, Mikael and Pounders and Brandon Buckhalter were both kind of put on the clock. And it was their indecision that led Mississippi State to go in a different direction. Brandon Buckhalter elects to, uh, to go to Ole Miss, and that's perfectly fine with me. I think Brandon Buckhalter's a good player. I don't think he's a difference maker. But you replaced him with Antonio Harmon. Antonio Harmon's a better prospect. Yeah, there's some concerns about his foot speed, but when you look at his size, his catch radius, his potential, I'm going to make that pick every time. You lose MJ Daniels to Ole Miss, and he's going to be a safety. Okay, I know we were talking about him playing corner, but I think this is the best-case scenario for us is that, you know, we don't have to force a guy out there because it's kind of like a Jamal Peters thing. Even if Jamal had some big moments, but uh, I think MJ is better suited as a safety. And then you lose that guy and you go get uh, Jalen Green. You lose Malik Neighbors on signing day. I'd kind of hinted around about that possibility for a few weeks because I'd heard that LSU would kind of pick things up with him a lot of ebb and flow in the end. LSU loses another commitment. They go on him. He's the kid that grew up an hour away from Baton Rouge. They're going to make that decision every single time. And so Malik Neighbors goes to LSU. And in mistake, gets Makai Polk. And so long term, you say, okay, well, Malik Neighbors might have been a better player. And you know what? That's a fair, that's a fair assessment. But here's the thing about Polk. You know, Polk's going to have three years left to play. Malik Neighbors will probably need a redshirt year to kind of get up to speed. And so what makes you a better football team this year is Makai Polk. And so I think you could argue that's at worst a push. That's at worst a push and probably a win for this year. And those are things I think are important to look at. Is with this staff, what makes them different from some of the guys that we've had in the past is that when things pivot, we have always had a plan. We have always been able to recover. Rather than having to go dig up and take some guy, you know, that uh, you know from Southern Miss or from uh, you know from from UAB at the last minute, you know, a guy that we've been on for a long time, and it's like, well, we got to get a body, so let's go get this kid. That hadn't been the case. We have been able to go get somebody who is comparable or better at those positions, and I think that says a lot about this staff's ability to recruit. Because it's not just about selling Mississippi State; it's about keeping kids in play. So when the traffic clears and you have a need, you can go all in on somebody. And I think one of the things that's important to remember, too, is there's basically three phases to this recruiting game now, right? You've got the December signing period, right? Then you've got your evaluation of junior college guys that can come in and and be a part of things uh, in the spring. And then you've got the transfer portal. And you've got to learn to manage all of that. And I have long said that Mississippi State should take an offensive and possibly a defensive lineman from the Mississippi Junior College ranks every single year. Every single year. Because you're getting a more physically mature player that has a lot of eligibility left, especially he's a full qualifier. And even if he does, all he does is provide some depth on the two deep, it's worth the scholarship money. I mean, look at this past year. I mean, would we have loved to have had an extra junior college guy to kind of plug and play there? Absolutely we would. And maybe you take a JUCO DB. 
You know, I think you have to farm this JUCO system, but the way that Mississippi State is utilizing the transfer portal right now makes a lot of sense, and it's a win-win for State. And one thing that I want to say about that before we move on is there are a lot of guys that went to transfer portal, but none of those guys were difference makers. None of those guys you look at and say, well, you know, and some of those weren't their decisions. You know, a lot of times those rumors get out there and people say, oh, we've lost a locker room. Not true. Not true at all. But you have some guys that are on your scholarship roles that are not contributing now and won't contribute later. It is best for everybody involved for them to enter the portal and go somewhere else. And that's not a personal thing. It's as simple as that. It's not a personal thing where we all look at it and say, well, it's, uh, you know, we need to hang on to these kids because it's the Boy Scouts. But when you have guys that see the writing on the wall and say, you know what, I'm not going to play here, and they leave, and then you can use somebody on an incoming transfer of comparable or better ability. In every one of these situations, I think you go look at this, you know, a lot of guys that have hit the portal have been leaving for playing time. Corey Charles, a guy that was a questionable take in the first place, never really found a home position-wise here. Listen, he hung in here for a long time. He earned his college degree. Now he's headed to Western Illinois. You know what? You only get a short time in life to play sports, and so I hope he goes up there and has a good year. You know, I don't think he's an NFL prospect, but this is probably the last time that he'll ever play organized sports, and I hope the best for him. Dante Jones, the guy that signed with Mississippi State as, as the top receiver in the state of Mississippi in his class, had to go to prep school, finishes up prep school, comes back, comes down here, makes a few plays here and there, never really is the, you know, the player we hoped he would be. I understand he's probably headed to Mississippi Valley State. And you could say, well, Steve, I don't understand that. Listen, you only get one more chance to play football. you got to take it wherever you can get that opportunity. So is it better for Corey Charles and Dante Jones to stay here and ride the pine for one more year when you only got one year left and you have the grad transfer option available to you? Yeah, you go take it, man. You go take that opportunity and you go run with it and make the best situation out of it you possibly can. And uh, listen, I'm appreciative of those guys for their commitment to Mississippi State and hanging in here, but I wish them the best. And that's okay. It's okay. It doesn't always work out. But when you have those guys leave – and maybe they've come in and worked hard and done everything they know to do, and they're just simply not what you're looking for, it's better for them to move on. It's not anybody's fault. That's one of the things that when these things happen, everybody looks for who to blame. In this situation here, this, they made a mature decision. And as some would say, well, you know, you got to see it through. Listen, when you know you're not going to play, you got to go find some more to play. you got to go find some more to play. And it is, it's, we didn't have a transfer portal in life, you know, when we were all much younger. And so, again, I wish all those guys the best, but I think it's fair to say that Mississippi State is using the transfer portal uh, probably as well as it can. All right, time for today's top ten list. And this is one of America's best-selling classic rock bands. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. 
She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hands of all time. I can't believe we haven't done this one before. But we haven't. And so here we are. They sold over 100 million records in their career. Still selling. They have been, uh, had countless books written about them. They've been featured in an Oliver Stone movie. The first American act to ever have eight consecutive gold records. Think about that for a second. Of all the great bands that have come through the United States, they're the first to have eight consecutive gold records. And it's The Doors. I was kind of late to the party, to the doors. I, you know, for a while, I wasn't sure if I really liked Jim Morrison's voice and um, learned more about him. And I guess that Oliver Stone film kind of pulled me in. It's I got to know more about the doors behind the scenes. And then I went back and uh, listened to American Prayer and even bought the, book, the American Prayer Poetry book. But um, here are my top 10 doors songs. Roy is interested to see how this one does. You guys know that Roy kind of maintains the Spotify stuff for us. And uh, Roy tells me that Sticks rolled into the top three last week. Journey's still number one. But, uh, you know, we've had we've had some some movement as of late. You know, Waylon Jennings pushes in. George Strait pushes in. So we're going to do the Doors. And we'll see how it goes. Roy says he's not a big Doors fan. I love the Doors. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I can't say... Like when I rattle off my top five American rock bands, I can't say they're in the top five. They're probably in the top ten. Jim Morrison was a genius. He was a controversial front man, but he was also a genius. But they got a lot of attention, a lot of media attention due to his antics. Number ten, and you may recall it was uh, one of the featured songs in the Forrest Gump movie. It's uh, Love Her Madly. Great tune. One of the last big singles for The Doors. 
Number nine, L.A. Woman. Number eight, the classic Love Me Two Times. Number seven, Hello, I Love You. And I don't know if you know this, but there was actually a, a lawsuit at one time from the Kinks about this song you know, because it was so similar to a, uh, to a Kink song. The Kinks classic All Day and All Night, the, the rhythm on that is eerily similar to Hello, I Love You. And uh, the Kinks ultimately dropped the lawsuit, not wanting to kind of be drawn into all of that stuff. But uh, there was some discussion about copyright infringement. It's interesting. Number six, Touch Me. That's one of the better performances in uh, the Doors movie, too. thought it was grand. Number five, one of my favorites, People Are Strange. Featured in Lost Boys, too. People Are Strange When You're a Stranger. Faces Look Ugly When They're Alone. Number four, Light My Fire. And uh, Light My Fire and Funeral Pyre and that stuff, it's, it's kind of a weird combination. It just kind of shows the lyrical genius of Jim Morrison. That song's still played on the radio these days. Number three, Break On Through to the Other Side. Probably, probably one of the most recognizable door songs. I think most people know that song extremely well. Number two for me, and there are times in my life I probably could say this is number one, but it's Riders on the Storm. I love what they did with that, and there's, you know, there's a book about that. There's a book under that title. I think Robbie Krieger wrote that. There's a lot of history with the doors and uh, Riders on the Storm. You know, it's kind of um, kind of a uh, an homage of sorts to Jim Morrison's, you know, interest in the supernatural. There's a lot of that too. You know, he always had this thing about the uh, you know, the American Indians and that sort of stuff, and and uh, there was some connection there with the spirit world, and that's kind of what Riders on the Storm is about. But number one for me, and I know it's off Morrison Motel. Morrison Motel was the one when the Doors really became a rock band. They weren't writing radio hits anymore. They were just playing rock and roll. And uh, a lot of people have covered this song. I think it is the best Doors song. Some of you may agree. Some of you may disagree. And those that disagree would be wrong. But it's Roadhouse Blues. I love this song. No matter when it's on, I always turn it up. I, I love the honky-tonk feel of this thing. It is such a great rock song. So if you don't know it, go check it out. It's Roadhouse Blues off Morrison Motel. That whole album is grand, but that's probably the best one uh, on the album, and in my mind, the best song in the catalog. So there we go. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out, let me know. I might just use it. I respond to everybody, and uh, many people reach out, and they'll, they'll have a duplicate, and I've already got that list somewhere, and I'll send it to them on Spotify. And so please uh, check out our Spotify stuff. We always tweet that out and share it on Facebook and uh, enjoy doing the top 10 list for you. And there we go. The, the Doors out of Los Angeles, California, one of the most highest grossing acts of all time, The Doors. If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, look no further than the fine folks at Campus Bookmart, Stan and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. They'll all take care of you and treat you like family because in their minds you are family. Go by to see them up close and personal. You can get a picture made with Standing Man, of course, socially distanced and a mask, of course. But you can go by and peruse their fine selections of maroon merchandise. You can get anything you need there. Everything for your home, your RV, your boat, your pet, anything that you want Mississippi State related. Miss Kathy Brown's probably already got it. Go by and check it out. And if you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash, and we could all use some of that, right? 
Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Okay, Mississippi State men's basketball lost the ball game on Saturday, but let's be honest, they performed above expectations. And listen, I'm not one that believes in moral victories. I'm not. But my hope is that like the Georgia game on the football side, you know, we go on the road and uh, we play well enough to win. We can't close, but maybe this could be a bit of a turning point for this team. And they've been a little bit up and down, but I'll be honest with you. I expected us to go to Alabama and get trounced. Alabama third in the nation in three-point attempts, and we're like 254th and third three-point defense. And so it wasn't a great matchup for us, but yet that didn't slow us down. You know, we had a chance late and uh, couldn't close the gap, but I really thought we played really well. And I thought D.J. Stewart had uh, an incredible ball game. 27 points, just 9 of 21 from the floor, 2 of 6 from beyond 3, and 7 of 7 from the line. And that's been a real issue for us as free throw shooting, 15 of 17 from the line on Saturday. And Coleman Coliseum, we have taken some pretty good teams over there and come home with a loss. This is one of those ones I don't look at. I'm not not in angst about it. Iverson Molinar, 19 points in 35 minutes of action. Did not shoot it well either, 5 of 19 from the floor, did make eight out of eight from the free throw line. Pulled down a couple rebounds. Tolu Smith with eight points, uh, nine rebounds. Abdul Adu, just the uh, one rebound, six points. But Adu does a lot of things. doesn't show up in the box scores. You guys notice he alters a lot of shots. He keeps people out of the paint. Uh, but, listen, you know, give, uh, you know, give those guys from Alabama some credit. You know, they weathered the storm. You know, State really hung in there with them, and uh, I guess we end up having – let me look here just to be sure about this – 13 lead changes. The game is tied five times. The lead changed 13 times. And so we were in there. We were competing. And most of us, including myself, did not give the Bulldogs much of a chance to win. I'm not going to sit here and say that we should have won the ball game, but we played well enough to win. Alabama 14 of 34 from the three-point line. 14 to 34. They chunk it for sure. And one of the things that impressed me so much uh, about Alabama's offense is they do so much to drive inside and then the shooters kind of move around the perimeter uh, to, to open up a passing lane. And then once you kind of over-pursue, they dish it out and they knock that shot down. And uh, I thought Abdul Adu did a great job getting out there, getting hands and faces, and uh, you know people had to help on the backside. Uh, rebounding, but I thought Adu did a really good job. I think he had what three blocks, three blocks in the ball game. Look here, yeah, it's correct. Three blocks in the ball game. Uh, we pulled down 36 rebounds and uh, out rebound them 36 uh, 32. Now the road doesn't get any easier from here. I mean, let's let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, you know that we went out and played well against Alabama it's still a loss but uh you know hopefully this can be a building block of sorts but uh you know Tuesday night we'll be on the road in Knoxville Tennessee you know Tennessee you know one of the better teams in the country and uh you know we're going to have to play our best game of the year uh to keep that game close and certainly you know have a chance to win you know we're not going to be able to go in there and uh you know you know kind of play beneath our means we're going to have to go in there and play we're going to, have to really play well as a team and, and after that show in against alabama i can assure you we're going to get tennessee's best shot they're not going to be overlooking us so we're currently nine and seven four and four in a conference lost two in a row 
I don't expect us to win against Tennessee. That would make us nine and eight. Then you come home and you have Iowa State. That's, that should be a win for us. And then uh, you know you go to Arkansas. That's not out of the realm of possibility either, or South Carolina. But we're going to have to kind of ride the ship on the road. Then LSU comes back to Starville. And uh, listen, they have really struggled defensively the last couple of all games. So, you know, who knows what we get there. So we'll kind of watch this thing as it develops. But, uh, you know, it's a game-by-game type deal. But I don't think it's time to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, and listen, I, I think I've probably been as critical of Ben Howland as anybody in the country since he's been at Mississippi State, especially the last couple of years. But there has this team, this young team, that uh, returned one starter from a year ago, I think is responding. And, yes, there's been some up and down. And, and of course, when you lose to Ole Miss the way you did, you really begin to doubt yourself because it's not a great Ole Miss team, even though they won again on Saturday. But we'll see how things progress and see how things develop. I still believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Ben Howen is back next year. And then we'll see what happens next year, and then John Cohen may have a decision to make. Uh, This is a team this year that we knew was going to be a transition year, but, uh, you know, we've seen some signs of life here. It's not like they've melded in, and they certainly didn't quit on Saturday. They had every opportunity when they'd make a run and get it to within five, and then Alabama would hit a big three, and we didn't hang our heads. We just kept playing hard, and we just couldn't pull it off. But I was impressed with the effort. I was impressed with the adjustments. Uh, I really thought the coaching staff did a good job putting the players in an opportunity to win the game. We just didn't make enough shots. We went through some stretches there. We'd go four and five minutes, you know, without making a basket. Uh, but, you know, you're going to have some of that with an inexperienced team. We'll be better for that experience on the road uh, at Tuscaloosa. I don't think there's any question about that. And uh, I was encouraged. And, again, I'm not a believer in, in moral victories. But at the same time, too, I can also respect the fact that we go into the home gym of the hottest team in the Southeastern Conference and we give them all they want and then some – and even had the lead, uh, you know, there in the second half at times. And so uh, I respect it, and I hope you do as well. So if you're thinking about moving to Starkville, let me encourage you to give our friend Brooks Bryan a call. Brooks is a guy that, uh, listen, knows Starkville exceptionally well, and Starkville knows him well. If you don't know Brooks well, get acquainted with him by giving him a call and talk to him about Portico. Portico one of the brand-new residential developments here in Starkville. Not far from campus at all, just over a mile away on Garrett Road, behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Cryford Jeep dealership. Very easy access to Highway 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses total in development, with 18 houses in the first phase that are nearing completion. 33 houses in the second phase will take place this year. Houses range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, and two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. There's also a walking trail. There is a uh, pavilion area, so you can go out there and have a barbecue with the family and then, you know, walk off those calories. Give Brooks a call for more information, 601-416-8075. And one of those things, you hear this stuff so much, maybe it becomes like part of the scenery. Listen to what I'm saying. If you have thought about moving to start, well, get in the newest, nicest neighborhood in town. That's Portico. Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog you got to do business with Bulldogs when you can. Call him at 601-416-8075. Let's talk a little recruiting. You guys kind of know where we stand now. Only three spots remaining in the uh, 2021 class. 
one of those earmarked for Ty Cooper. I, I understand his decision's made. He's just waiting to announce next week, and that'll be Wednesday. Ready to put this class to bed. There's been a lot of a lot of this has kind of drug on for a while, and that's one of them. And we really thought Ty Cooper might actually commit to Mississippi State back in June. He talked about doing it before the season started. Uh, kept getting pushed back, and then he kind of had an idea about doing it on National Signing Day. Was going to do it in December. Wasn't going to do it in December. So ready to get him in the boat. You know, we still feel good about him, but I do understand that uh, some other teams have kind of mentioned to him, hey, there's no guarantee that Zach Arnett's going to be there next year. The guy's looking to get out. And so while that hadn't caused some indecision, it has caused some conversation. And I understand that Zach Arnett actually spoke to Ty last week and kind of gave him some assurances. At least that's what we're getting out of the uh, Louisville High School side of things. That everything is fine. But uh, he's still working through this. And, you know, of course, until he signs, it's, it's not official. We still feel good about him, excited about him. Then you've got Katravian Hargrove. And, uh, listen, he's talked about announcing on 27th. That's Wednesday. So we'll know sooner rather than later with him. I, I fully expect that to happen. You know, by the time we get to Wednesday, who knows? You know, but, uh, you know, he's been very high on Mississippi State. Uh, you know, here for the last few weeks, you know, State's a school that uh, has really kind of pumped up their efforts here in the past few weeks to get him to be part of the class. And so should add him on Wednesday, add Ty Cooper next Wednesday, that leaves you one spot. C.J. Johnson, of course, from French Camp Academy, very much on the wish list, working through some things. I understand Northwestern at this point is probably Mississippi State's biggest competition. He's also considering Penn State and some others. Ole Miss not really in consideration. This is a guy that grew up going to Mississippi State games and uh, went to bowl games home and away. They've been Bulldog crazy over the years. Told me that Chris Ralph was his favorite Bulldog player. So that's kind of how we look with him right now, but uh, it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to be a Bulldog. That's of, of the three remaining hot names, that's the one that I think we're probably the least confident about. And it's weird to say that because, you know, it's, again, this is a guy that, that understands what Mississippi State football means to the people of this community. But he has to do what's best for him. And uh, he has some academic opportunities that aren't always available to student athletes out there. And when you make a 35 on the ACT and you come from a, a very, very, very well-educated family, you owe it to yourself to pursue all opportunities, academic and athletic. And so it's a little different dynamic for him. And, of course, the recruiting process didn't really ramp up for him until late November. And so he thought he would, you know, he made a decision to go to Navy. He was done. And then all these other opportunities came up, and he reluctantly backed out of that commitment to the Naval Academy. And, uh, you know, now he's got some Power 5 options, and he's kind of sorting his way through this. And so that's really, at this point, the only drama that we have. And if, you know, I'm told CJ is going to let us know prior to National Signing Day. So if he's not coming here, we have the opportunity uh, to fill that spot with a talented player. There's some other names out there you know, that, that we, we're kind of monitoring right now. And so that's the drama for the next 10 days, really, is Kent State hang on to Ty Cooper. State leads by wide margin now. Kent State hang on to Contravian Hargrove. We feel like both of those things will happen. But who does that third and final spot go to? That's what we're kind of tracking now. Looking ahead to 2022, we had a long discussion over on a Jeans Page Forum over the weekend about Carter Edwards. And if you're not familiar with Carter Edwards, let me help you here. Uh, Carter Edwards is a 2022 offensive line prospect from Prez Christian there in Hattiesburg. Uh, Joey Hawkins done a great job there, kind of building that program up. They beat Jackson Prep here a couple years ago, and um, Prep got their revenge uh, there in the state championship game. 
But you understand that, uh, you know, PCS has started to produce some players. You know, Isaiah Woodard, of course, goes to Ole Miss. Uh, they've had some other guys that have gone on and played at the junior college level. But that's a program that routinely uh, was kind of an afterthought in the state. But uh, they're beginning to produce some players. And a lot of that's because of Joey and his staff down there. And so Carter Edwards grew up in a big Ole Miss family. Dad's a huge Ole Miss football fan. And Mississippi State has really recruited him as a priority. And, uh, you know, speaking to some people close to Carter over the weekend, you know, Ole Miss has really not made him feel like a priority. And you know what? He may not be a priority to Ole Miss. That's not to throw any shade in uh, Lane Kiffin and his staff's direction. But, you know, they may have a different evaluation of this player than Mississippi State has. Now, the probably the long-suffering Mississippi State fan probably sees it this way. You know what? We're going to recruit this guy. We're going to get invested in him emotionally. And we're going to m- pass on some other players. And Ole Miss will show up late and uh, ratchet it up, and we might lose them. And you know what? That's always a possibility. But Carter Edwards plans to major in aerospace engineering, and I'm told that he is pretty much locked in with that decision. Now, speaking to a family member, he is absolutely going to major in engineering, and so whatever school he goes to has to have a very strong engineering program. As it stands today, Mississippi State, Central Florida appear to be the two leaders. And he'll kind of work through this process. Not looking to make a decision anytime soon. He wants to take some time to get out and go see some campuses, even if they have to do it on their own. You can go out there and kind of know the lay of the land. May not be able to tour the facilities or things like that, but they want to get out and go do some things. But that's a name of serious interest. And now the crystal balls are trending in his direction for Mississippi State. Even Yancey Porter, longtime Ole Miss recruiting reporter, uh, has crystal balled Carter Edwards to Mississippi State. And so we'll see how things progress, but that's one to really watch. J.D. Stewart, linebacker from uh, Greenwood, I, I think it's I think he's the best linebacker to come out of the state in a couple of years. He is that heat-seeking Willie Gay type guy, not quite as big as Willie. Got to get in the weight room. You know, Willie was at a different level from a physicality standpoint. But J.D. Stewart would be a great early get for Mississippi State, and I believe that he is going to make his decision sometime probably – next 45 days or so, I don't think this is something that's going to linger on. I think that he is sold on Mississippi State. I think that he could be a bit of a drawing card for the Bulldogs. Having him commit early and then have him recruit on your behalf would be huge for Mississippi State. There are some other guys around the state that I know that if State pushed the issue early, they would probably go ahead and jump in the boat. That's the, that's the issue at this point. You've had a really limited time to evaluate players. You hadn't had a chance to do any in-person evaluation for these juniors. And so you got to be sure you want them. So I don't know how much State will push early on for early commitments. I know there are some guys that want to get in the boat. But I don't know if you're ready to take those guys just yet. Probably need to get the 2021 class to bed and then everybody spend a month or so really getting serious about 2022 and kind of rank these players. Of course, there are some no-brainers within the state. You know, if Larry Simmons from Moss Point wants to come, you got to take him. You know, you absolutely got to take him. There are a few guys out there that you've already offered. You know, Branson Robinson from Germantown, he wants to come, you take him. Jaheim Otis from Columbia wants to come, you take him. Zavian Harris from Germantown wants to come, you got to take him. You know, so there's some in-state offers out there that I, I feel really good about, and I think if those guys are ready to make a decision, the Mississippi State would certainly take them. I think there are probably – oh, I don't know, 15 to 20 more in-state kids that are going to get offers here in the next couple months in Mississippi State. I think that is uh, 
I think that's probably accurate. I think we're going to see it's a very deep year in the state. I don't just mean the top ten. We always have ten or so really good players in the in Mississippi. But you could have as many as 40 or 50 guys in the state of Mississippi sign Division One this year, and many of those are going to have Power Five offers. I suspect Alabama will be digging around a lot more now that Gillespie is uh, the running backs coach at Alabama. I think that's probably uh, Alabama will be a factor. Gillespie's a great recruiter. But this is a great year. This is not just a good year. This is a great year, and it's not just because of the headliners. I think when you, know, when you look at guys 15 through 25, I think there are going to be a lot of SEC players in those rankings. I think you're going to have a lot of guys this year that are worthy of a dandy dozen selection that don't get it because of the competition for the spots this year. I think it's going to be a great year for 2022. I like the early returns what we're hearing from prospects. But listen, it, there's going to be a ton of head-to-head battles between State and Ole Miss this year. It's going to be a ton. They're going to get their share. We're going to get our share. Hopefully we can benefit from the fact that they probably go uh, maybe go recruit nationally and then try to come back in on some of these guys late. Perhaps at that point we've got our claws a little too deep in. But, uh, you know, as we've seen, funny things happen late in recruiting. But uh, I like this in-state crop. I think you know, we're going to sign four offensive linemen, from what I understand. There's a possibility that all four of those guys come from the state of Mississippi. You know, last year I think you had you know two offensive linemen in the state of Mississippi that you felt like were true true Power Five guys. At some point, both were committed to Mississippi State. This year, I think there's probably a half dozen or more, and so I think Ole Miss will get a couple, State will get a couple, and you know maybe one or two go somewhere else. But uh, I think it's going to be a, a very intriguing year in the trenches. We got some really good defensive line prospects in the state and some really good offensive line prospects in the state. And uh, there's a lot of guys out there that are natural athletes playing quarterback or playing running back that will play other positions, whether they be corner or safety or receiver. And so I like what I've seen from the skill positions so far. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there you kind of got to sort through and figure out where they project position-wise. But the athleticism in the state for 2022 is probably better than what we've seen here in the last couple of years. My fa- but it's going to be an exciting year. You know, for recruit next, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with uh, camps this year. We know junior days are going to be out. All that's going to have to be done virtually. And uh, so there's going to be, you know, kind of getting to know these kids type deal. And we're going to do our best to interview as many of these guys as we can to kind of let you guys get to know them. You should be a subscriber at jeanspage.com if you're not. But we're going to be all over this. And we're committing a lot of resources to making sure – that uh, we're getting you the most up-to-date coverage because it is going to be a great year this year for recruiting for prospects in the state of Mississippi. I I really expect Mississippi State's class to be very, very, very home state heavy. I think that is exactly what you should expect this year. I think we'll probably supplement where we're thin on the in-state talent pool out of state. But um, I think there's going to be a lot of in-state kids that end up being Bulldogs, and that's kind of what we built a program on. So I'm, I'm eager to see that happen. All right, that's going to do it for today. If you hadn't done so, go to alphadogsthebook.com, and you can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs right there. It's a one-stop shop. It all leads you to the same place. If you're looking for Stark Villains apparel, which you should be, go to starkvillains.com, and you can get T-shirts, hoodies, everything else you need right there. And uh, if you live in the area, chances are you can get them for yourself or your kids in your high school colors. Again, that's starkvillains.com. Be back on Wednesday and uh, hoping we're recapping a huge upset win over the University of Tennessee in basketball. But uh, 
Also, preview and a potential commitment. You never know. By that time, maybe we'll know what's going on with Katravian Howard, and then we'll have just two spots left to fill. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.